Hello, hello, and welcome to That's a Career, a podcast about the average 20, 30, 40, even 50-something and above looking for your passion, your career opportunity, your next advancement, your next job move. Where are you going? You're not sure? This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Gabriella Batistiol, and each week I interview a different person working in a different job field, from teaching assistants to members of the military... No stone is left unturned here as we search for your next career move. Good morning, good morning. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of That's a Career. I'm like rushing this one right now because it's actually Monday morning and I realized yesterday after I posted it that my intro was missing for some reason. I think I recorded it and then I didn't like it so I deleted it and I went, I skipped to in. I skipped to record the outro and then completely forgot to re-record the intro. Um, so I'm trying to like squeeze an intro into this span of time that leads up to the thing so I don't have to re-edit the whole thing. Um, anyway, today's episode is featuring Nora. She's a performing artist, super passionate about her work. She's done some really exciting stuff. So I'm not going to speak on that too long because I want you to listen to the interview and find out for yourself. Uh, but side note, really quick, I did start my own fitness apparel company re- recently, um, Fit Flower Co. So you can check out our merch at fitflowerco.com. You can also please follow us on Instagram at fitflowerco. It's F-I-T-F-L-O-W-E-R-C-O, exactly how it sounds. So I'm just getting into and dabbling with e-commerce and drop shipping and getting into, you know, creating my own designs and merch. So I hope you check it out. And without further ado, I won't drag this out any longer. Here is Nora, the performing artist. Okay, great. I got it. Awesome. Okay, so the first question I always ask everybody is like, what is your job title? I I would say I'm a performing artist. Okay. Yeah. It's something that I've reflected on a lot recently because sometimes as a performer, you know, you, you want to feel like you're giving to the audience. You want to feel like you're doing a service to the audience, but it, it can feel very like one track mind and very like center self-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like a lot of reflection, you know, I've really been thinking that it's not necessarily a creative artist, but it's an interpretive artist. So what you do is you take people's creations, people's works of art, and you interpret them. And then you use it as a vehicle to create change in people. Hmm. Okay. So when yeah. you are, so this obviously means that your your job is always changing in terms of like your day to day work. Am I correct? Oh yes, it's definitely like a freelance profession. Um, okay. You know, projects aren't like they'll they'll be different different durations of time. Like mm-hmm. I did a national tour a little while ago. That was a six month commitment. Um, you know, I'm doing a show right now that's a two month commitment, um, which is kind of nice because you're always kept on your toes. You're always creating, you're always, you know, learning new things, dealing with a different subject matter. You know, it's very, it's very fulfilling in that sense. Right. It sounds like a lot of fun because you never, you're not, it's not the same old routine every day. Yes. Yes, it's definitely not, and it keeps it very exciting, for sure. It's definitely not your 9-to-5 situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are you uh, working on right now? 
Um, I'm doing, I'm performing in a production of Man of La Mancha out in the Hamptons at Hampton Theater Company. And um, I'm playing the role of Antonia, who um, is the niece of the lead role, Don Quixote, or Alonzo Quijana is his actual name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of a, I don't know, for those of you who don't know the show, it's a, a play within a play. It takes place during the Spanish Inquisition in a prison. And there's these prisoners and this guy, um, Miguel Cervantes, who's based on the writer who wrote Don Quixote. He gets sentenced to jail time. So he's sort of an odd man out in this prison because he packed the church. He foreclosed on a church, and that's why he got sent there. You know, he mm. was like a regular run-of-the-mill uh, criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets there, and the prisoners kind of attack him as they do with any new prisoners. It's very, like, much a gang mentality in the prison. And he goes, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Like, if I if I entertain you, maybe can you just not steal my belongings, you know? So um, he kind of, the head of the prison ends up letting him put on this charade, he calls it, which is, like, basically a story to entertain them and distract them from stealing all his stuff and taking advantage of him in the prison. And what ends up happening is this story actually inspires the people of the prison who are downtrodden and, you know, egocentric and bruised and burned and wounded in more ways than one. It inspires them to find hope in their lives and to find a way to overcome, basically. And so it's a show that's really um, become quite popular in the regional circuit this year. Sometimes, like, depending on what's going on in the world, politically, socially, economically, certain shows become more relevant. And it's, it's incredibly well-written. Um, and it's timeless, really. I mean, like, all of us have obstacles in our lives, and we need a place to find hope, and sometimes it's hard to find that. So, you know, the show, it, it really, like, shines a light on the fact that you can... You can find hope in any situation, you know? Yeah, uh, that's that's nice. I <laughs> So funny. Have you ever heard of the show Grace and Frankie? Yes, I do. I actually love that show. I watched, I think I watched the first season while I was on tour. Okay. Um, yeah, stars. Love so, it too, so the one of the men in there, he star, he's in Man a La Mancha. So I, I've heard the name Don Quixote, but it's from that Netflix show. <laughs> Wait a second. So the one of the men in the show is in Man of La Mancha in the series, like that's part of the storyline. That's part, yeah. Part of part of the storyline is uh, I think it's Robert. It's it's the shorter father of the two. Um, he wants he's in like a production house and he they're doing Man of La Mancha and he wants to be Don Quixote and they end up giving him like Don Quixote's like friend or like some like assistant or something and he's really upset about it and the guy that plays Don Quixote. It's really bad, and eventually, like, I, I don't, I, I don't remember how it plays out, but yeah, that's I gotta, I gotta see it because I was a theater person at one point. I love theater, so definitely. Um, yeah, probably Sancho. He probably, I have to. I'm not. Yeah, Sancho. Yeah, is that the name? It. It's Sancho. Yeah, that's usually yeah, that's a sidekick, which yeah, is also was, a great part. Yeah. Um. So he. So anyway, you said this one is for two months. Yeah. Yeah. So are you performing for these two months or how does, like, how does it, how does it work when you, uh, like, take me through when you get hired for, for 
a show, like how you know, how long is it, you know, how long do you have rehearsals for? How many shows do you put on? I guess you could do it with this one because each one's different. Yes, each one is extremely different. Um, for this particular production, I got hired. I got the offer in late November. I think it was Thanksgiving weekend. And mm-hmm. we didn't start rehearsing until February 10th. Okay. And the rehearsal process was from February 10th to March 21st. And then we have three weeks of shows. So we're about to go into our second week of shows. And we close, it's, the run is March 21st through April 7th. Okay. And you said you also did a, the, a tour for six months? Yeah, I did um, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood Live. Uh, okay. And I played Daniel Tiger. So um, very different kind of production. Um, the audience was like two to seven-year-olds. Um, Daniel, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is based off of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Okay. Um, which was like a very popular PBS children's uh, show, educational show. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Mr. Rogers, but he's a huge icon in like children's education. Um, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Social I, and yeah, social learning right. and stuff like that. So anyway, when he passed away, I think it was 2006. Um, PBS wanted to make a TV show to like kind of continue his legacy. So mm-hmm. they made Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood Live, which is based off of the tiger in, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but there's a land of make-believe with puppets, and mm-hmm. there's a tiger puppet in it. Okay. And so the tiger puppet was what they based it off of. For like okay. a new generation now, like the past like 10 years, the kids that are two to five or two to seven. Um, oh. So that show was pretty successful, and it was a car- it was an animated show as opposed to like a live show, which Mr. Right. wasn't animated. Um, and so PBS decided to team up with different producers to do a live version of the of that TV show, the cartoon, um, with you know full body costumes and musicals, you know songs because there's already songs on the TV show that kind of help the kids learn. Like, there's one song called, a beautiful song that actually is an original song from Mr. Rogers called It's You I Like. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, loving everyone and accepting people for their differences and knowing that it's okay that people are different than you, you know, and mm-hmm. ce- celebrating everybody's, like, individuality, really. Um, so that was in the show. Like, a bunch of, you know, the songs from Mr. Rogers were in it, but also there was new songs that were in it. Um, and I played Daniel Tiger, which was pretty okay. cool. I got to be a yeah. huge hero for, like, tons of young kids. It was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Right. So you, were, so you were touring with a group around the country to perform for all the kids? Yeah. I mean, we were doing the National Theater Circuit. So it was, like, yeah. a very big operation. I mean, we went to 38 states, I think. Um, and we would, you know, I think... Like in Denver, we Hamilton had just performed there, and we went to the Denver Center and performed there. Wow. Like all those big theaters. I mean, Rosemont in Chicago area, mm-hmm. like I think, was one of the biggest houses. I think it was like a couple thousand okay. kids there. Wow. Yeah. So That's awesome. It was like, yeah, it's big budget. You know, really, it was really, really phenomenal. So how uh, so if someone's listening to this and thinking about pursuing a, a you know theater and all that you know how is how how would you give them some advice on on, on finding and, and the audition process because you know that's I think a huge part 
of, of why a lot of people, you know, end up straying away from these kind of jobs is that they're, they're, it's like that fear of rejection. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think that you have to have faith over fear. You know, not every project is for everyone. I mean, there's so many similarities to like regular jobs, really. Like if you resonate with a company's mission, then you'll have probably a better chance of working there just because you resonate with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, or you resonate with the people that are in that environment, you know, for some reason, whatever right. it may be. It could be you guys all are about self-care. It could be you guys all are like workhorses and like love staying till 10 p.m. at night at the office, you know? So yeah. it's just a matter of knowing that there's a lot of opportunities, but what are the opportunities that you want to take advantage of? Like, what do you want to say with your performing? Mm-hmm. And what, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And what do you want to, how do you want to help the audience? You know, because everybody's different. Yeah. You know, artists are all different in their mission. So it's a, about finding your why. And I'm really discovering that more and more as I get older. You know, when you start, mm-hmm. when you start getting interested in theater, when you're young, you're like, this is so fun. And I mean, it's still great fun. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, sometimes when you're five, you're like, oh, I just want to do this fun thing and be on stage. It's, maybe it's for attention or maybe it's for goofing off or, you know what I mean? Maybe it's for getting out of class, whatever. Yeah. And then it sort of grows into a bigger thing, a bigger mission of like, wow, this can really help people start conversations. People unite people that might not always agree on different things, you know help people promote change. Like there's so many different avenues that performance can provide. And actually one of the best things about performing and being in the arts is that it helps people. Like if someone's telling you, you know, I don't think you should believe this. You're going to, your automatic reaction is why not? This is what I believe. And you get defensive, right? Mm -hmm. But, Theater and performing and art is a lens for which messages can be given to different people to make them think about their choices in their life, you know? Without directly, yeah. A a nice way to cushion the blow of conversation without, like, just being like, you're you're outright wrong or your ideas are invalid. It's a way to start a conversation. What's really phenomenal about it, one of the many phenomenal things about it, really, um, but yeah. yeah. So I really think finding your place in the industry or figuring out why you're doing it and what you want to bring to the world is yeah. like super important, you know? Yeah. Um, what was your, uh, your particular educational background? Um, well, I, I studied in Great Neck. I went to public school and was super academic oriented, but I always did theater and I always studied dance on the side. Mm-hmm. We actually had a really good uh, performing arts program in my high school. Like we did four different productions a year. We did I mean, one musical, one play, we did one act, and we also did an opera, which is very unheard of for a public high school that's not a performing arts high school. Yeah, that is. Um, so that was very cool. Um, so I got a lot of exposure that way. I did community theater, and I, did, I studied a lot of dance. Um, and then I went to school for, for theater. I studied okay. theater at Northwestern. 
And I kept dancing. And yeah, I just sort of been doing it forever. It's, you know, it's almost like a lifestyle in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it is hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a very saturated profession. There's a lot of competition, but it also makes like when you're able to do a project or you're given an opportunity, it makes that, you know, even sweeter. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you, um, I mean, you know, not being in the industry, I have no idea how this works. When you were, when, since there is a deadline, like in TV, I know that when people work in movies, you know, during their movie, they are already searching for their next movie because there's a contract and it's a deadline that you know is coming and you need to bring in money. So, like, how do you go about, um, where, you're, you're in New York City, right? Yeah. So do you, like, is it easy to find work? Like where, what kind of mediums are you using? Is it networking? Is it just, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's everything. It's using all of your resources. And yes, it's definitely similar to film and TV in the sense of you have a job, you're already looking for your next job because it's a mm-hmm. freelance profession. There's no stability, right? There's no right. financial stability unless you're in Wicked and you're blessed to be in that show for like <laughs> But you know, as creative artists and interpretive artists, we also always are looking for something new to do, you know, and how to keep it fresh and all that stuff. So, right. yes, always auditioning. We, I mean, here in the, in the industry, people always say, like, your job is to audition. Like, it's almost like your job is not to perform. Like, when you get a job as a performer, that's mm-hmm. like the vacation. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the good stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, like, building a network, of, you know, people that you trust to give you feedback, peers, fellow performers and fellow artists. It's really mm-hmm. important. And um, there's a lot of online resources like Playbill.com or Backstage, Actors Access, um, all those resources to find right. you know, possible job opportunities and connect with collaborators, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, if someone is in a field of work right now, because I'm going to, I'm going to assume if you are going to college, then yeah, you should just fo- focus on theater. <laughs> that makes sense. But if someone's like in their twenties, thirties and they have a job they don't like, and they want to turn around and suddenly I want to go back to the art, what would your uh, advice be to guide them back to it? Like how could they break back into it? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that happens very often, believe it or not. Um, people, you know, think they want, like, financial stability, and they just enter a job that presents itself, and then they get that financial stability, and then they don't feel creatively fulfilled in that job, and they want to leave or go back to a passion. Um, I mean, it's sort of similar to, you know, when you just come right out of school and start all over. It's just about building those connections. It's mm-hmm. about building trust with industry leaders. That's huge. And that's something I didn't really, really understand until a couple of years ago in my late 20s. Yeah. Um, that, 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 you know, I used to take, I mean, I, it, sometimes it's hard to take rejection, right? And I still take it personally sometimes. I mean, you know, you, you think you have something and then you might not get it for some reason that's out of your control. But what I realized is that, Actually, like the audition itself is just one small part of a long marathon of creating trust in the industry where people know you, they know you work hard, they know you do good work, they know mm-hmm. you're pounding the pavement, 
They know you'll be there for them. They know you'll show up on time. They know you'll, you know, swing on to this person. And that eventually becomes the momentum for you to get more jobs and better opportunities and things that pay more or things that have more, uh, like, you know, have more publicity on them or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's just like starting, starting small, you know. And then just making your way and see, and, and always like evaluating where you are in that moment. Mm -hmm. And if you need to jump to the next tier and start saying no to things, like, because you're not growing, you know, right. Which right. is hard as a performer because there's not that many opportunities because it's so competitive. There's not always a lot of opportunities. So, you know, if someone's telling you, I'll pay you to do this show, it's very hard to say no and be like, you know, I'm going to keep working my side, my day job or my side job because I want something that's better for my resume or that's really going to help me grow or that's going to help me network in a, you know, at a higher level. Right. And sometimes that just needs to happen for you to get to the next level. And I really do think there's so many parallels to, you know, the regular nine to five world. I mean, when people are working, at a startup or something, you know, if there's not a lot of ability for them to move to the next level, like they have to evaluate, well, after two or three years, what am I doing here? You know, right. am I enjoying this? Am I growing? Am I getting paid more? Am I not? What is the value of continuing to do something in the same exact way? You know? Yeah. Yeah. True. Wow. Yeah. So. Interesting. So that's my suggestion. Start small. Start, you know, small to start networking, and then you get to the point where you want to, okay, I want to be paid a little more for this, or I want more benefits to this, or right. I want to get into the union, or I don't want to get into the union. You know, it's always a, it's always an evaluation of where you're at. It's like you're running your own business. Right. And there's a lot more, there's a lot more opportunities than just, I'm going to go audition for this play. I think. Oh, Yeah. I feel like that's what I instantly when I think of theater, I'm just like, oh, auditioning for local plays. But there's obviously so many more options. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, especially now when you can make your own work and put it on social media and you get right. so much more skin on such a, you know, it's, social media is such a huge platform now, mm -hmm. you know, where people from Ohio can see that you're working on this play about, you know, oh, LGBT. Yeah you know, LGBT rights or something or about, right. you know, political ideas or whatever. And they'll be, they're, a, you know, part of a political campaign or they have some connections. They want to feature your work somewhere in a magazine or whatever. It's like, there's so much, there's so much more, um, there's just so much more connection now with social media that yeah. can help you get to where you need to be. In local plays, like the list goes on forever. If you're a singer, cabarets, you can create your own cabaret or you can do cabarets with other people to network mm -hmm. with them. And this happens in all the major cities, even the smaller cities, you know? There's yeah. always like community for that. Um, doing straight plays, doing musicals, doing dance shows, doing showcases, um, yeah. like doing open mic nights, you know? Right. It's, there's so much, you know? So, yeah, like uh, I said, really figuring out why you're doing this can kind of help you laser focus so you don't just yeah. go to every audition or do every free thing. You know what I mean? Right. You start to kind of, like, narrow down what am I looking for, what is it bringing me, 
Yeah, I like, the, like, I like and I like the I like the way you put it in terms of like you're you're bringing a message to the audience that may not otherwise want to hear it, but it's a performance, so it gives you a chance to. It's almost like subliminally bringing it. Yeah, forward. it it cushions the blow. It, it makes yeah. people more open to hearing other opinions and other sides of of a situation. You know. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. the world we live in today, that's very important. <laughs> Yes, and I think it probably always has been, which is why theater has been around for so long. Right. You know? yeah. It's also a way for people to escape from their circumstances. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, an, it's a whole different world. You know, yeah, it's a release. You get to, you get to enjoy whatever the, you know, story, lose yourself in the story, whether you're performing or you're watching the performance. Exactly. All right, well, my last thing I always ask is, for people listening who are still searching for their passion, what, or, or maybe they're in a job they hate and they want to change careers, you know, like what, what would you say to them, the, kind of the lost souls in terms of job-wise? Yeah. I mean, I think that there – I think people often think that there's, like, no, there's not enough time for them or that they've lost their chance because they're a certain age or they didn't start earlier – and I, I just think that's, like, not – I mean, that's just in need of a change of mindset, really. I mean, mm-hmm. in this day and age, people don't stay in the same job for their whole lives. That just doesn't yeah. happen anymore. Like, we are such in an age of, like, making your own career path, not even in the arts, everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, there's so many more freelancers and everything. So I think that that's really exciting and motivating, just to see like all these people that are creating their own businesses and their own ways of living and making a living. So, I mean, I, I always like to say like, take the positive, you know, route and realize that it doesn't matter what age you are or your condition, you can always overcome it and you can always start new. Like there is no end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that that's helpful, but I always find that helpful when I feel stuck. No, it's I look to other sources. Yeah. Of, yeah, I look to other sources of motivation. Like I, I'm a big proponent of like reading motivational books and podcasts are huge right now. As we mm-hmm. know. <laughs> oh, you're oh you're right up. No, you're right on the money. I do the same thing. I'm like reading. Um, I frantically read all those inspirational self-help books because they do really help. And some people like I've, I'm not, I've never been the type to say like, Ooh, that's like, but you know, there's a certain crowd of people that are like, Ooh, that's so not for me. That's so like mm, up in the sky weird, but like, it really does help, uh, you know, and, and the more that you push yourself to be about to be better and just live a better life, the more opportunities you're going to have and the happier you're going to be. So. Yeah. I mean, and I also think like, now the self-help world or the world of motivation and mindset and career and, and inspiration and entrepreneurship, like it's all so varied that to say that, you know, that's too like fuzzy for me or that's too up in the clouds for me. I'm a realist. Yeah. It's kind of just like you need to examine that because not every motivational speaker is the same. Not every writer is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a- I, I read a lot about that stuff because I have to, because, in, in, you know, as an actor, you are your own agent and you have to motivate yourself. So I read a lot of different 
types of articles about how to be successful and how to be happy and how to motivate yourself. And they're all so different. Like, there is a voice for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I would say to those people, well, examine why you feel that way and then see if you can, you know, explore. And maybe, you know, Brene, Brene Brown is not right for you, but maybe, you know, the woman who wrote You're a Badass is. Like, they're all yeah. so different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't... Um... Uh, girl, wash your face. I res- it resonated with me, but not the entire book. Like certain chapters, I just didn't connect with, you know. And then, and you know, I read another book, and everything clicks. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot more than just your run of the mill like. And and also, it, it's kind of like stereotyping that whole category of information. <laughs> yeah, I I think you have to keep an open mind, and I think that's how you grow as a human. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nora. Again, thank you so much to Nora for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Sarah, for hooking us up together. If you want to go follow Nora on social media, you can find her at Nora Mutron on Instagram. That's spelled N-O-R-A-M-O-U-T-R-A-N-E. And she's also got her own website, noramutron.com. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate the support. Don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe. Um, I'll link all my details below in case you want to follow me on social media. Please feel free to contact me if you or anyone else you know would like to be on the podcast. And until next time, have a good week, guys.